Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm 5, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. Hey everyone, I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we're talking about a topic that many five-year-olds ask about. Oh, what's that? That topic is car keys. Car keys, fascinating. There is some magic to them, right? There is. Uh, And the question I want to start with is, how is it possible that my car keys unlock only my own car? and not a bunch of others. Isn't it theoretically possible that my remote key could unlock a second car somewhere in the world? Yeah, it does feel like magic that you click a button and it only unlocks your specific car. Uh, So yes, we're talking about the remote keyless systems that cars mostly use these days. And actually, theoretically, it is possible that your remote could open another car somewhere in the world. But in practice, it's extremely unlikely because of how all the numbers work out. Okay, I'm sure we'll get to that, but maybe we should start by ELI5 explaining how a keyless remote system works. Sure, so most modern cars have different layers of security when it comes to keys. Broadly speaking, a remote keyless system can include two systems. A remote keyless entry system, RKE, which does the whole unlocking of the doors, and another remote keyless ignition system, the RKI, which uh, starts the engine. So, you know, that's clear. And breaking it down even more, I like the way Reddit user Matrixia, who had a great ELI5 way of explaining this, uh, in a few buckets of remote identification, physical identification, and also encryption identification. Ah, got it. So why don't we start with the first bucket then, the uh, remote central locking, or uh, keyless entry, as I think it was called when it first came out. Yep. So remote identification, it's basically your keyless entry while you are a still a, a certain distance away from your car. You know, it's kind of like when you uh, yell for your mom uh, outside in a locked room. If she recognizes your voice, she'll respond and unlock the door, let you in. Voices can be similar. So if in a rare case, some other kid sounds like you, she could be confused and let the wrong kid in if you think about it. Okay. So I will ask you to explain some of these aspects in a bit more detail, but first, Uh, why don't we cover the other part, the ignition system? I think you mentioned there's both physical identification and encrypted identification here. Yep, 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 that's right. So there's the physical identification, which is the cut of the key itself. You know, remember you used to have to put the key in the car and even when they first had remote keys, you would still have to insert it uh, somewhere to start the engine. These days, many cars still have that uh, fancy push button to start where the where it's more about the physical proximity of the key that matters. So continuing that analogy, it's kind of like when your mom opens the door, uh, she would need to first have to make sure you look like her child. You obviously have a unique face, but there are things like doppelgangers or maybe a twin brother that could fool her into thinking another kid is you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, combined with this, the physical identification, there is something called encrypted identification, which is this RFID chip inside the key itself that the, uh, the immobilizer has to sense to allow the car to run. So even if you duplicate the remote entry or physical key, the RFID reader will still need to read that encrypted code programmed to each key, um, uh, to each key and make sure it matches to the immobilizer before the car is allowed to remain running for you know, more than a few seconds. And this part, this is extremely difficult to duplicate. And it's also very short range, so the real key would need to be within basically a few inches of the ignition to work. 
Now, back to the analogy, <laughs> it's finishing off. It's kind of like your mom now verifying your fingerprint or even your DNA to make sure you are you, even if you somehow look or sound like her child. Mm, thank you for that. Uh, now, you mentioned the immobilizer. What is that? Okay, yeah. So you remember how in old movies, people used to be able to start cars uh, without the keys by hot wiring? Well, an immobilizer is an electronic security device. It's fitted to the vehicle that prevents the engine from running unless the correct key is present. It basically prevents the vehicle from being hot-wired uh, after entry has been achieved, and thus reduces a lot of motor vehicle theft. In fact, they've done research on this that shows that immobilizers reduce the rate of car theft by like 40%. Nice. Uh, so going back to the original question, the remote identification, when you're walking around the car park with your key, uh, there's a bit where you could, in theory, unlock someone else's car, uh, and you gave the the analogy of your mom waiting for you at home and listening to your voice. But like, let's go into a bit more detail and uh, explain exactly what's going on there. Okay, you're right, totally. Uh, going into more detail than just your mom recognizing your voice. You know, back to cars. Basically, there's something called a short range radio transmitter. And that must be within a certain range, uh, usually 5 to 20 meters of a car to respond. So when you push that button, it basically sends this uh, coded signal via radio waves to a receiver unit in the car, which unlocks, uh, locks or unlocks the door. And typically, these signals operate at a frequency of 315 megahertz for North American-made cars and actually 434 megahertz for European, Japanese, and other Asian cars. Now, modern systems since the mid-1990s implement encryption as well as something called rotating entry codes to prevent car thieves from uh, intercepting and even things like spoofing uh, that signal. Uh, what's a rolling code? <laughs> Glad he asked. They basically avoid something called replay attacks. Ah, that's some someone nefarious where they intercept the data and try and retransmit it? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, copy-pasting it, right? Uh, imagine if a thief is, like, lurking around your car and has a receiver set to the right frequency. Now, when you use a remote key, uh, the, the, the thief could listen to that code and then simply replay it again to open your door at a later time. That would definitely not be good. So the rolling code then means that each time the code is different? Exactly. Uh, in the, with a rolling code, a kind of pseudo-random number generator is used to generate a wholly different unlock sequence to be sent each time the car is unlocked. So that way, the same thief may be able to learn the code word that opened the door just now, but the receiver will not accept that code word for the foreseeable future. A rolling code system uses encryption methods that allow the remote control and the receiver to share that code word, but makes it very difficult for an attacker to, attacker to break uh, that encryption. So finally, back to the question we started with. You said it's unlikely, uh, but in theory possible, that your key could open someone else's car. Yeah, okay, so, so let's break that down a little bit. So first of all, the message, like I mentioned, is sent on a frequency that differs from manufacturer to manufacturer even, and it's very precise. So now your, your, your universe really is the cars of the same make as yours. Now, how about unlocking cars from the same manufacturer, you might ask, right? Yes, how did you know I was going to ask that? <laughs> of course, uh, the major question. Now, when the car is produced, 
uh, several key IDs are written into its, uh, its uh, electronic control unit. And most companies use uh, 32 bit codes, which basically have two to the 32nd unique IDs. Mm. Okay, now if you crush numbers, that's over 4 billion unique IDs. So that's, you know, kind of enough codes to make a collision very, very unlikely. Got it. Thank you for answering our question there. Did you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Uh, and if you love what you hear, uh, we would also appreciate a review on iTunes. As always, thank you to the community at r slash explain like I'm five. And we will see you all next week.